0: Magic,
1: where we discuss topics surrounding magic and common or not so common questions. Let's take this journey together. Hi, I'm Tatiana. And I'm Sylvia. And we are coming to you from Eugene, Oregon. We invite you to conjure up a broom
0: and ride with us. Hey Sylvia, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. How's your week been? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's been a good week. I've been playing with my brother on Minecraft a little bit. We've been making a base and it's in survival mode right now. So we have to find everything, all the materials and stuff for a pagoda that we're building in Minecraft. How's that coming along? You showed me a little bit. It's going pretty well. We just have the corners of the roofs to do and we have the very top. Oh, okay, cool. And that's pretty much it. It's going to be a challenge, though, for the top, because you have to get all the way, way, way up. And yeah, (laughs) it's a challenge. Okay. Fortunately, there's scaffolding in the game, which apparently they didn't have before, like five updates before. Okay. So scaffolding has been a lifesaver. (laughs) I couldn't imagine trying to build in survival mode without it. You'd have to jump up or something. Yeah, you'd you'd have to not be able to, you know, it, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, the other thing is I have some overtime at work. I'm kind of excited about it and kind of not excited about it. The fact that I have only one day off this week kind of stinks, but... The fact that I'm going to be getting extra money is awesome because I need it. I mean, who's excited about work? I mean, really? Yeah. Yeah. True. (laughs) So how's your week been? It's been kind of a busy
1: week. It's been a little challenging. I'm doing a bit of a job search thing and I haven't, as you know, been in the field for 19 years or so. Mm -hmm. I've been doing my cleaning business and my pet sitting business for all that time. It's a new experience. Ah. I'm learning to, I'm going to be learning how to do an interview again, and how to set up a resume, and it's all very anxiety-producing. Yeah. And the other thing that's kind of exciting is that my little kitty, you know Bechet, my gray kitty, is out of the craft room at night.
0: Ooh, yay. He's
1: graduated. Woohoo! Yeah, he actually has, as I've said in other episodes, he's had to stay in the craft room at night just to keep him out of trouble and so that I can get some sleep. Yeah. But the other night I tested it out and he did really well. Oh, nice. So we have reclaimed our studio, <laughs> <laughs> my yes. craft room, the studio. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, but I don't, I don't think so. That's, okay. that's the main thing. Yeah. Nice just want to make an addendum here our last episode season 1 episode 19 numerology I forgot to mention that numerology would be considered the element of air and the direction of east just wanted to put that in there
0: okay let's move ahead to your god or goddess for the week all right we have Oromilla I hope this is how you say it title is the Yoruba Your Orisha of wisdom, mercy, knowledge, and divination. Description can look young or old, often with kola nuts and a divination plate. The kola nuts are used for the divination. I'm assuming how it's placed on the plate when you throw them is what the divination comes from. Okay. Duties, guiding humans on their way through life. Lineage, no parents or children. Stories. Orenmila was sent to earth by Aludumare many years before he sent Abtala and Odudua. The earth was covered in water. Orunmila spent 400 years without food. Once a year, Orenmila would open his mouth to the air and gained nourishment from that. After the 400 years, Orenmila came back to Aludumare in heaven. Aludumare then sent Abtala and Odudwa to earth. Orunmila gave Oduduwa a, a cock with which to create the land. Okay. Interesting facts, also known as Orunmila, Orunla, or Orula. Symbols are divining chains, kola nuts, and a wooden divination tray. Oh. Yeah. Sort of short and sweet this week. Yeah, there. it was actually quite hard to find stuff on Orunmila. But he seemed to be the perfect thing to pick.
1: Well, great. Thank you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Now it's superstition. Yes. Superstition this week is owl's
1: hooting. Mm. I began with the negative aspects of this. If you dream of or hear an owl hooting, it's said to be the foretelling of death. Mm. An owl on top of a roof is the foreshadowing that someone in the dwelling will die an owl living in a building is a sign that it is haunted since owls are said to be able to see ghosts oh cool yeah in roman times a dead owl nailed above the front door was considered to be able to ward off death oh my yeah poor owl yeah i can't even imagine what that would look like or if stink i don't know if it would depending on when they put it up yeah (laughs) and how long they left it exactly They believed like many cultures that the owl was a foretelling of death and that several Emperor's demise were predicted in this way. Among them was said to be Marcus Aurelius, Agrippa, Julius Caesar, and Augustus. Interesting. In Appalachia, owls were said to have preyed upon the souls of the dead. This occurred as the souls crossed through the thinning of the veil making their way home to their loved ones. It took place on Samhain when it is easiest to cross through the veil. The Greek and in the Middle Ages believed that witches could change into owls at night. The Greek thought a witch's shift into an owl allowed them to suck a child's blood. Throughout the ages, children were seen to be particularly vulnerable. The Arabs said owls would steal them out of their bedrooms at night. Now this is not exclusive to the Arabs. Or others said if you heard them hoot when a child was being born, it meant the child would have a miserable life. Oh my. no. Yeah. In Cameroon, owls were not even given a name for fear of them. They were only called, quote, the birds that make you afraid. Interesting. Some of the Native American cultures saw the owl much the same as how the Greeks saw them. Except in this case, it was evil shamans who did the shifting and were able to cast curses upon their people. Skeely is a term used by the Cherokee, meaning great horned owls and witches alike. It tells you how much they really were afraid of the owls. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that they said great horned owls specifically. I hmm. don't know if that maybe was to their region specific or... Maybe. I don't know. Oh. I found a saying that the Native Americans would say. One hoot would mean death. Two suggests success. Three, that a woman would marry into the family. Four hoots unrest. And five meant travel. The Chinese would begin digging a grave if they heard the sound of an owl hoot because it indicated a deadly disease for a mortal. Ooh. Like many superstitions, owls were also seen as omens for bad weather, misfortune, death, and to prey on the living. All of these caused many owls to die, almost to the point of extinction. That's sad. The positive about the superstition. Let's start with owl hoots in a dream as being a positive thing. It is said in some circles that the sound of an owl hooting in your dream is a sign of becoming more self-aware and enlightened about life mystery. Some cultures have seen the owl as sacred to shamans, that they could foretell a season of plenty to come in the year ahead during the cultivation of their crops. Still others consider the owl to be a guide for a dead soul to make it into the next life. Another positive belief was that owls can be protective and take it on the traits of ferocity and bravery. They can also offer guidance, foretell of danger, or be liaisons to the other world. There is a portion of Greek culture where the hooting of an owl was a welcome sound. It meant prosperity and good luck. The goddess Athena, goddess of knowledge and wisdom, considered them a good omen prophesizing victory in battle and as protector of the troops. The Athne noctua owl was considered to have been a companion to Athena, as we mentioned in Season 1, Episode 18. Thanks to you, Sylvia. Uh Thank you. (laughs) Owls being heard at night is eerie, and in many ways has earned them their ill reputation. However, if you were to hear one in the daytime, it was considered a good omen of light-altering news headed your way, perhaps from the heavens above. A form of enlightenment, you might say. Let's face it. Owls have been shown as scary creatures who prey in the night upon the unsuspecting. Their ability to see in the dark, remarkable movement of their head, and eerie hoots send many into a tizzy. Today, however, they have become more associated as a good omen full of wisdom and something to be revered. Whichever the case, please do not disturb their fragile existence by taking any part of them as a way to promote these superstitions hmm exactly I just wanted to add that in there since you know a lot of them are still on verge of going extinct or I don't know there probably are some that are extinct I guess I would imagine so yeah okay so let us move on to Sylvia and what do
0: you have to tell us we have the I Ching it is air and East I Ching, or the Book of Changes, was written sometime in 1000 BC, making it the oldest classical divination system and one of the oldest books in the world. It was written, or at least put together in recognizable form, in the early decades of the reign of King Zhuang of Zhu in China. Being so old, the Book of Changes has had much influence in Chinese culture, and Chinese culture has had a great influence on it. Evidence has been found that the I Ching was used at all levels of society in its current form around 300 BC. Its text used to be attributed to Fu Xi, King Wen of Zhu, the Duke of Zhu, and Confucius, but that seems to be no longer the case. I didn't find anything that said what or who actually wrote it. Unfortunately, we don't have that information. The I Ching is a type of divination called claromancy. Claromancy is producing random numbers to find out divine intent. The random numbers being produced by the three coins. Heads equals a three and tails a two. Adding those up, you get a number between six and nine. The numbers six and nine themselves being special numbers. Any particular reason or... Um. I actually get into that here in a second. okay, sorry. No worries. The I Ching is made up of 64 hexagrams, a hexagram being a symbol made up of six ascending lines. The most common way to find your hexagram is to flip three coins, and depending on what is face up, you write a line, and you do that six times, starting from the bottom and moving up. If two heads are up, then you just write a line. If you've got two heads and one tails then you get an eight because the two heads equals each one is a three so that's six plus two which is eight if three heads are up for you write a line with a dot on the side that's where we come into the nine so three heads is three plus three plus three equals nine which means it's a changing line And that changing line, once you get your hexagram built up, that means it changes into a different hexagram. And the changing line is the line that changes from either a broken line to a straight line or a straight line to a broken line. If two tail sides are up, then you draw a broken line. And if three tails are up, you write a broken line with a dot to the right, again, an old or changing line. Once you have six lines, you probably aren't done yet, as you most likely have one or more changing lines. You will draw another hexagram, this time changing all the lines with dots to the right into the other line. So broken lines will become whole lines and whole lines will become broken lines. Find your first hexagram in the Book of Changes and read the entry, but there's more. Each of those old or changing lines adds meaning to the original hexagram, and then you look up the hexagram the original changed into. Hexagrams are usually named after something that appears in the changing lines reading. In a few cases, this is not so, but on the whole it's true. Originally, I Ching was done with yarrow stalks, and while we have a modern interpretation of that method, we don't actually know how the stalks were used. The I Ching as a book was listed as one of the Five Classics by Emperor Wu of Han in 136 BC. The reason for this choice was because of cultural influences in the book that included Confucius and Taoism. Now you can't go into the I Ching without hearing about the Ten Wings, which are ten philosophical commentaries on the I Ching. The Ten Wings were written some time after the original I Ching, with the quote-unquote Great Commentary being written somewhere around 300 BC. During the Eastern Han, I Ching interpretation was divided in two. Two schools. The Old Text Criticism, which was more traditional, and the New Text Criticism, which was more eclectic. Unfortunately, not much remains of the commentaries that the New Text Criticism included in their work. Now, the Tang dynasty had the I Ching pared down to a specific commentary with a few added details. The 11th century saw the I Ching as a book of philosophy and a jumping-off point for the bigger questions of life. The I Ching had an influence in Korea and Japan as well. In Europe, the first mention of the I Ching was in 1703 in a commentary. One translation of the book had quite an effect on the 1960s counterculture, and cultural figures, one such being the writer Philip K. Dick. He was a sci-fi writer. Oh, okay.
1: Ohms. On to Ohms. Ohms, modern Irish or Celtic tree alphabet, is part of East and Air. What we are most familiar with are the, this is hard to say, <laughs> Bria Throgram, something like that. Bria Throgram, I'm probably murdering that or word ohms, as opposed to numerical ohms, which were later recorded in medieval times. These Briathrogram are a collective of 20 trees known as Phaitha, Phaitha meaning trees. They are grouped into four groups of five and the beginning letter of each tree adds to the currently known Celtic alphabet. The fifth group I am unsure about as to how they correlate their names to their tree aspect and the first letters that are used in writing. That fifth group is more well-known now. Okay. Each group of five is known as an ACME, which means family tribe. It's unknown as to how early this dates back to, but there is a consensus that it does go back to being used between the 4th and the 10th century CE. Most uses were to record names and to mark land ownership. They were commonly found around Wales, Ireland, and West Britain. This writing is quite similar to the concepts of the Greek, Latin, and Germanic runes. The letters now ascribed to the OM alphabet in some cases have likely changed over time, but have a set common standard today. Examples of these can be found in the OM's strafe in nectal where the beginning letters may have actually differed from what we have now. Mm. The origins. The most popular and common thought put together by James Carney and Ian McNeil, is that the early Irish developed this as a form of communication in order to have secret dialogues outside of the Greek language. It was used by the Druids, who were scholars, for purposes of religious matters military engagement, and politics. Using this secret language gave them some advantage over the Romans who were invading their lands and practices. Later, it may have been used when they were in the offensive mode of battle. Interesting. Yeah, so that's one thought. Mm -hmm. Another thought is that the early Christians divide this language to write short messages and inscriptions because primitive Irish was considered to be too difficult to translate into Greek or Latin alphabet this contention was made by Damian McManus I had never heard of that one before and I thought it was interesting yeah the third idea was held by R.A.S. McAllister who said it was invented by the Gaulish Druids as a secret system of communication by use of hand signals he further went on to claim that this was handed down strictly by word of mouth and only used to write on wood His conclusions about this were later debunked. Mm. And I have to say that that is one that I commonly heard when I first started practicing. I heard that one sort of combined with the first one, Mm -hmm. kind of intermeshed. I found that interesting that it's been debunked. Yeah. There's a story about the Celtic deity of eloquence, Oma, and he is credited with the alphabet's invention. The tale goes that he invented it for only the upper echelons of society and the priests. It was also said that he was good at speech and poetry. So, the right man or god for the job. <laughs> the narrative is the, that the first writings of the Om was when Ovma wrote seven bees on a piece of birch and sent it as a warning to the god Lu. The idea was to extend a warning to Lou that, quote, your wife will be carried away seven times to the other world unless the birch protects her. After this, the letter B represented the birch tree. And this is how other trees came to be a part of the alphabet, according to the story. Hmm. And that's as much as I could get on the story, but I thought it was an interesting tidbit. Yeah. There are less heard of ohms, which are the last five on an acme. This makes up a total of 25 altogether, one of which is not a tree at all, rather it represents a grove, yet it is still a symbol on the acme. You can easily find these trees and their symbols on the internet. There are discrepancies to be had as there is no definitive historical information that dates back to the use of these in forms of writing and their exact meanings. What you have to do is basically discern the meaning from all of them. Where they share a common thread is most likely what their true possible meanings are. What is known, the uh, the The (laughs) 25 ohms are these, Birch, Rowan, Alder, Willow, and Ash are on the first acme. And I should say right here that this is the English translation, the actual Gaelic Words are where the first letter of the alphabet. How am I going to say that? Where the letter of the tree is used as part of the alphabet. Ah. Not the English version and letters. Okay. So in Gaelic, you would have beta, lis, fern, sail, neen. Okay. The B is birch. So that, that just happens to be that way. But lease, which is Rowan, would be the L instead of an R.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So it varies. You have yeah. To, you have to know the Gaelic, in other words. Yeah. Hawthorn, oak, holly, hazel, and apple are the second acme. Vine, ivy, reed, or sometimes known as broom. Blackthorn and elder are the third row. Elm, or fir. Gorse, heather, aspen, and yew are the fourth. Grove, Spindle, Honeysuckle, Pine, and Witch Hazel are the final group. Hmm. I was taught how to do readings with the Ohms. The way I was taught, I firmly believe, is a proper manner in which to commune with them and read them. Building a rapport with them requires learning how to talk with them, which needs a great deal of meditation and connection with each individual growing tree. You will need to collect wood from each tree to create your own personal set. In gathering the wood, it can only be done after you have heard the voice of the tree, that you have bonded with it, and asked its permission for the giving of its branch. Pay close attention as to where you're getting these pieces. The health and location can say a lot about the individual tree and may make it easier or harder to connect with it depending on its circumstance. If you see one by a roadside and you decide to meditate there, the energy is going to be more static and more difficult to meditate with.
0: Mm, Okay. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. But if you're in the woods, it's more, you know, Zen. Yeah. (laughs) This can be hard if you don't have access to all of them in your region, but maybe not impossible. You might be able to locate an authentic set online and work with them from there after thoroughly cleansing them. I would ask the seller if they are all of one type of wood or if they are of the wood of each individual tree. A harder way but much more fun way if you have the room and time is to make your own garden out of the living trees. I started doing that before I had to move from this one location. I had a nice yard and I started growing them Ooh. and it was really cool. Mm. what I'd really like to do is grow each tree or bush in a spiral that would be so much fun
0: oh my goodness that would
1: be beautiful yeah I mean it's very unique nobody would understand it but you would I would yeah remember each tree is a living being and each has a life of its own much like humans trees have different cultures and broad strokes of similarity and then there is the individual that has its very own character When doing the meditation, you are looking to connect with the culture of that tree. You must suss out which is which while meditating. This is made easier based on its surroundings and the depth of meditation you reach with said tree. Can you go on the internet and just collect that information? Yes, you can, but you won't truly understand the essence of the tree by going and doing it that way. Each tree has a place and a number of lines assigned to it on the Acme, which was the tribe of trees. Uh The first five are straight lines going to the right of a vertical line, which creates the Acme. The second five are straight lines going to the left of the vertical line or Acme. Third are angled horizontal lines going through the Acme from left to right. Finally, the last are straight, Horizontal lines going through the Acme. Now, the last five of the 25 are really too hard to describe, but they are in our notes. And I suggest a uh, website, learningreligions.com, which again is also in our notes, for getting more in depth information as to the meanings of the trees and the Faitha. And I can't say that I agree with all of their interpretations, but I do feel that they are one of the better places to find some of the information regarding the meaning and the symbols of the trees. I've included a visual of what their written alphabet looks like and also how it is made up in their words. The letters are based on the Gaelic names of the Phaitha, which I mentioned before, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud of myself for being able to draw these out. That is awesome. (laughs) I've never done that before, so it was fun and hard. Mhm. I just would like to mention that I am looking forward to offering my services in the future
0: to anyone who is interested in having a reading done. I can I can confess that this is really amazing and they're very very cool and they change your look on how things work in life.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I really connect with the trees I feel their living essence from all of the work I've done with them I admit I have to learn the last five because I was not taught those I was taught an aspect of them but not the full meaning of them okay enough to work with them within a reading Mm -hmm. but I think there's more and I want to I want to learn more ah I think they go in depth on a soul level in many cases you can Mm -hmm. do a lesser level Mm -hmm. but the really cool readings I find are the soul level readings and they're pretty intense yeah they are I'm done talking (laughs) it is (laughs) on to you
0: yes so we decided to do an I Ching reading this time instead of tarot since we had I Ching in the episode and I wanted a break.
1: <laughs> no, I honestly couldn't figure out an activity to go with mine. Yeah. I
0: left it to you. All right. The I Ching. The arousing changing into return. Wake up. Run. The sky is falling. Is fear running your life? The arousing is a wake-up call to figure out what is really important. Once you know what the goal is... You can move through life without being disturbed by things that don't matter. Finding out will help you find an inner peace. But this isn't a passive card. It requires some action on your part. Both to find out what it is that truly motivates you, and to go after it. Whether or not you forge ahead or stay in the planning stages depends. Is there an obstacle that you can overcome with effort? Or is there a lack of resistance? If both of those aren't true, then you may find yourself mired in a tough situation. From the arousing, it changes into return. The return talks about the winter solstice and the return of the light. However, the return of the light is still the beginning of winter, so it is both a time of rest and the beginning of movement. But you shouldn't press yourself too quickly. You don't want to deplete the energy that is just beginning to build up. This is also a time to get together with friends and like-minded people. Use that rest to work on your relationships. Now this is a little funny. On the one hand, this says get up and move. Figure things out. On the other hand, it says rest and don't take things too quickly. I think this is a little like getting to know a new person. You have to go out to meet new people. But you can't do everything at once with them quite yet until you know each other better. Or like getting to know a tree, you must sit with it, quiet yourself, and listen. Or even like using the I Ching, you must ask the question and then be receptive to the answer. So, go figure out your motivation, learn about yourself, but don't go full steam just yet. I really
1: like that. Thank you. I do find when I've seen the I Ching readings and the ones that you've done for me, it does seem like... They have a balance to them always mm mm-hmm. you know, sort of one side says this and the other side says this but it comes together in balance most frequently
0: yeah yeah
1: I like that and you do a great job I appreciate it and just to let people know if you're in our Facebook group sometimes we do offer a uh, help me out here
0: a free I Ching reading or a free tarot reading Yes, winning one. Um, yeah, you have to you have to enter a little bit of a contest. We usually ask a question and then we do a random uh, pull pull from whoever answers. right.
1: Our questions are super easy. We're just looking for some connection with you guys and some input. Yeah, if you just answer those, you could possibly win a reading.
0: Well, we're at the end of our episode please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you found us. Also, come join us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love to have you. I'm Tatiana, saying goodbye for now. And I'm Sylvia, saying so long. And thank you for writing with us. This has been Powered Powered by by Magic.
1: Magic. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.